Now, here's everybody's favorite millennial. Adam Crowley. On ESPN Pittsburgh. This Penguin Schedule Breakdown segment is brought to you by Jason Mackey's Twitter account. Follow Jason Mackey at jmackeypg. Penguins will play seven Saturday night home games. They're home on Thanksgiving Eve against Dallas. They're outdoors on February 23rd in Philly. And here's the thing that I was telling you before the break. Penguins had 19 sets of back-to-backs last year. That is a bleep ton. The Penguins have 11 sets this year. So much easier now that they're not defending Stanley Cup champions. I thought they were gassed just by playing that much hockey. But they're also gassed because they had to play 19 back-to-backs. I mean, that sucks. Remember when they got blitzkrieged by Chicago early on in the season? That was the second of a back-to-back. Tampa early in the season, second of a back-to-back. And I think that Antti Niemi kind of got the blunt of that, the brunt of that. He got his ass kicked and shipped out of time. And then actually went on to play very well in Montreal. But this is definitely a better schedule from that standpoint for the Penguins this year. And I did think that that was an issue. As we already know, the Penguins will open their season against Washington on Thursday, October 4th. Then they got Montreal and Vegas start off with three home games. Their first road game is at Montreal. Saturday, October 13th. No back-to-backs the entire first month of the season. No back-to-backs. It's big. Get out of the gate. Playing well. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Rob Ross, you going to be joining us coming up in about 17 minutes here on the Crowley Show. I don't want to have the conversation about whether... Evgeny Malkin deserved to win the MVP. That's not interesting radio to me. Neither is reading about the schedule, frankly, but I figured I'd slide it in there. But you'll see where I'm going here. The Penguins made the playoffs by four points. That's two wins. The Devils made the playoffs by one point. Taylor Hall was by far the best player on the Devils, and without him, they'll make the playoffs. Period. No doubt. But I don't think really that many people realize just how close the Penguins were to not making the playoffs this year. Without Evgeny Malkin, the Penguins don't make it. Period. Now, I don't want to be seen as the guy who's a homer or a guy who's discrediting Taylor Hall's MVP campaign and the guy saying that Evgeny Malkin should have won it. In fact, I'm not arguing that Malkin should have won the award. Just stating that he could have won the award. He finished 7th in the voting, which I find odd considering the argument for him is similar to the argument for Hall. Hall was 6th in the league in scoring. He had 39 goals, 93 points. Malkin had 42 and 98. So the numbers were similar. But Malkins were a little bit better. Objective fact. The argument is that without Hall, then the Devils would have been on the outside looking in with the Panthers in the playoffs. But without the second half that Evgeny Malkin put together, the Penguins wouldn't have made the playoffs either. If the Devils don't make it, nobody outside of Newark blinks an eye. Who cares? They don't have any expectations. But if the Penguins didn't make it after back-to-back cup-winning seasons, well, then that's an issue. Malkin put the Penguins on his back as much as Taylor Hall put the Devils on his back. The Penguins' power play was the best it's ever been in franchise history. 
If it wasn't, the Penguins wouldn't have made the playoffs, period. And Malkin had 14 goals and 38 power play points. He was huge in that regard, obviously. Without his production, the Penguins would have been lost, just like the Devils would have been lost without Hall. And then there's this. Malkin did have a slightly better year. So I'm not saying he deserved it more than Hall. That trophy does belong with him in New Jersey, but both teams wouldn't have been the same without their best player this year. And I think the same argument can be made for Phil Kessel. I've got a lukewarm take on Phil Kessel. I love the player. Pens don't win the cup without him in either year. If they keep him, good. He scored 92 points. If they don't, it's fine. I trust Jim Rutherford. But the Penguins need to be careful if they do move him. Because if Phil Kessel hadn't been healthy and Crosby and Malkin for 95% of the games last year like they were, the Penguins don't make the playoffs. It does not happen. The Penguins were very close to beating the Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. They went to six games. Led in two of the three, or two of the four, pardon me, that they lost going into the third period. They could have beat the team that wound up winning the whole darn thing. But they also could have missed the playoffs and had Malkin and Kessel and Crosby not been healthy for most of the season. Maybe they do miss the playoffs. So the point is, if you don't have Phil Kessel this year, I do think that there's a chance that you take a significant step backwards. Again, I trust Jim Rutherford. I think that if he pulls the trigger, it'll be worthwhile. But if Phil Kessel's not Phil Kessel, yikes. If Phil Kessel's not there, I mean, yikes. When he wasn't Phil Kessel in the playoffs, well, they were effed. They were effed. When Malkin didn't play up to his standards because he was hurt in the playoffs, they were effed. So while I do like this Penguins roster on paper, you could have Brian Rust and Zach Aston Reese winging on your third line with Riley Shan winging. That's a word, but not in that proper context. That's a pretty darn good hockey team. But if your big guns aren't going to be there, counting on them to be healthy is something that you can't really rely on. Last year's as healthy as Crosby and Malkin have been together in a long time. Phil Kessel's always out there on the ice, but that was one of his problems. We saw that the line between the Penguins being a championship contender, one that won the Cup, and one that did not win the Stanley Cup, was their big gun Phil Kessel not playing the same way. So you get rid of him, you don't have your big gun, and all of a sudden the power play doesn't look as good, doesn't look as crisp, and you're in trouble a little bit. Let's see what happens tomorrow. I can't wait. You know Jim Rutherford's going to make a move or two. You just don't know what's going to come with it. And you don't know if Phil Kessel's going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin next year. I don't think I'd have a problem either way. But I'm leaning towards I'd rather keep the guy. What say you? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. little breaking news. We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. Jameis Winston of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has been suspended three games for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. And that is big for the Pittsburgh Steelers because they play in week three. Do we put a win in the books already? Yeah, you do. 
It's on the road at Raymond James Stadium. And we've seen backup quarterbacks for the Buccaneers beat the Steelers before. So, yeah, it's a win. But it's a win. Yeah, we're 1-0. Here's why, allegedly, he's going to be suspended for the three games. Bucks quarterback James Winston is expected to be suspended three games by the NFL. After an eight-month probe and allegations, he groped a female Uber driver in March 2016. He's not expected to appeal. It's not something you should be doing. That's my take. Don't grope women. Yes. Good take. Yes. It's one that Jameis probably should have followed. Not probably. He should have followed. I don't like the NFL getting in on this kind of stuff, though. I don't. There are so many things that fall through the cracks in our justice system that I don't expect the NFL to be able to pick up the pieces on. Like Our justice system sucks. I'm a big believer in this until proven guilty. You don't want to have somebody convicted in the court of public opinion and then spend however much time in jail because of something like that. But that being said, far too many women experience domestic abuse and never report it because they're scared. And it's very difficult to prove in some instances. And that sucks. But I don't think it's up to the NFL to have to put the pieces back together on the justice system whenever the justice system doesn't get things right. And if charges aren't filed, I always find it an odd place to live for the NFL. Why does the National Football League have to be the moral police on all this? Uh, They're trying to put, they're trying to make themselves look better. They're trying to make the league look better. They're trying to say, look at us, we clean up. Anytime that one of these guys does something stupid, out of turn, out of line, we are going to fix it. But I think that it just makes the perception of the league even worse. Look, Jameis Winston deserves to be punished for doing something like that. He does. You should go to prison for doing something like that. Unwanted sexual advances, touching somebody who does not want to be touched in a sexual manner. Yeah, you should be going to prison. Now, again, it's allegedly. But I don't think that's for the NFL to say, you can't do this, you can't do that. If I got accused of something, my boss could fire me. I could get fired. But what if I hadn't done it? And this isn't me trying to defend Jameis Winston. I just think the league really steps out of line here. Think about marijuana. Is the NBA looked at as a league that's a little bit cleaner? I think it is. But it's not that it actually is. It's that the perception is because they do not suspend players for smoking pot. Nobody's getting into trouble in that league for smoking pot, and yet everyone's getting into trouble in the National Football League for smoking pot. It's a bad look for the league to say, we're going to suspend these guys because we want to clean it up. Well, if nobody's getting caught for something, then guess what? It looks better than if you're catching guys and then saying you're clean. So to now apply it to the Jameis Winston thing, Jameis Winston could be fighting this battle behind closed doors. And from a perception standpoint, the National Football League doing this, suspending him for three games for this atrocity, just makes more now in the world, more people look at the situation, look at the National Football League and say, oh my God, what a disgraceful group of human beings. That's all it does. All it does is bring light on these situations as opposed to putting them 
behind closed doors where I think the league would rather them be. I just don't like the National Football League saying, oh, we'll get you. If the if the justice system doesn't, we'll do our own investigation, and we'll make sure we'll get it. Eh, I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. As I mentioned, going on vacation tomorrow. I'm fading. It's a time of the year where I need a vacation, and I'm tired. And all my energy sucked out of me. And now I've got to be nuanced and discuss this Jameis Winston nonsense. And I can't. Because I'm too tired. I'm hurting, man. You're hurting? I'm hurting. You're going to the beach in a day. I'm excited, man. Why are you hurting? I should be having the best show ever right yes. now. Yeah. Get nuanced. Come Talk on. about James Winston. Winston. What, what are you bad doing? Guy. Bad guy. Learn from your past. I mean, seriously. Jameis Winston is incredibly charismatic. He's got a an infectious smile. But he's a douche. He's always been a douche. Bleeper right in the bleep. That was him. Hey, he's the guy who started that whole thing. Uh, bleeper right in the bleeper. Bleepy, I suppose. He stole crab legs. He's groping women in taxis. He's eating his fingers on national TV, eating W's. Yeah, that's weird, but that's, I would... That's a red flag, though. Is it? Yeah. They took a big risk when they drafted him. Like, Baker Mayfield, he had one drunken moment where he got tackled by a police officer because he was trying to run away. Like, that's a college kid being a college kid. I kind of like that in my quarterback. <laughs> that's a college kid doing college kid things. Like, the number of times that cops came to our parties and busted us and we all scattered, it happened once every other week. I mean, it just happens. I could lead an NFL team if I could throw. I'm a good guy. Like, that has no bearing on whether or not you're a good person or not. Groping someone? That does. Grabbing crab legs? Walking out? Stealing? That's something bad people do. Bleeper right in the bleeper? That's something that very immature people say. I I can even say, as immature as I am, I didn't say stuff like that. I never did crap like he did. I was never walking around groping people. I drank beers. Most of the time with a bunch of dudes around me playing video games. That was college. And then cops bust in and all of a sudden you're running for your life. And that's Baker Mayfield. There's a difference between guys like Baker and Jameis Winston, and that they always seem to get lumped in the same boat. Like Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield get lumped together, and Baker Mayfield grabbed his crotch. Baker Mayfield runs off and celebrates with the band. Baker Mayfield is a fiery guy who cried whenever he got suspended for the beginning of his last home game at Oklahoma. But Baker Mayfield isn't a guy who is snorting coke that we know of. But with Jameis, that, uh, not with Jameis, pardon me, but with Johnny Manziel, that had been the rumor. I, I think you got to be able to differentiate what's the real bad behavior and what's not the real bad behavior. And maybe that's what the National Football League needs to do a better job of. Maybe they can still be the police. I can change my take. Oh, yeah. Maybe they can still be the police, but tear it. So, like, groping a woman should be a bigger suspension than Martavis Bryant smoking some reefer. Like, sexual assault... 
allegations should be a bigger suspension than smoking the reefer. Drugs. Yeah, I like that take better. Let's go with that take. I got re-energized now, and then that's the take we'll go with. Don't get out of it completely. Just make sure you go about it where the punishment is befitting of the crime that was committed or allegedly committed. But again, and now I'm waffling, but again, it's just a, it's a tough place to be as a sports league whenever there aren't charges filed and yet you're still suspending a guy. It's just, it's a murky gray area. I never would have gotten involved in that in the first place. Here's the perfect take. We're there now, Tom. We're there. I got it. They should never have gotten involved. Now that they did, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. You have to suspend guys, but just make sure you suspend them the appropriate length for the things that they are accused of doing. Bam! Going out on that one. Coming up next, we talk hockey, and we've got a big announcement with Rob Rossi of Pittsburgh, the city paper. It's Crowley Show. We've got an announcement to make. And joining us now to discuss is our friend from the Pittsburgh City Paper. He is Rob Rossi. Rob, how are you today? I'm pretty good, Adam. How are you? I'm good. I saw you already today. You did. Should we break the big news? Let's break the big news. We got. Wait a second. We got it. We got it right here. You want you want to go or should I go? Well, I mean, you I'm your probably. boss, yeah, so you I'll just probably I'll, go. I'll, I'll, I'll go. So, uh, starting uh, for our July issue that comes out on July, I believe, 11th, uh, we will be having a guest sports columnist contribute on a regular basis, and that would be one Mr. Adam Crowley. Woo! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I'm excited about this, Rossi. You know, I just saw an email from you regretting this decision because I didn't realize your your writ, written um, word was so challenging. But that's okay. We can work on that. Yeah, it, it's not good. I don't know. Uh, yeah. When when were you doing the homework? Today after I left? Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll talk about it. I mean, I, we are going to have to enroll you back at WVU to get you a basic uh, grammar and punctuation course. But look, these are small things. Well, punctuation is an issue for me. I, I tend to throw commas around like uh, just haphazardly. I don't know. I don't know what a comma is. I just put them in all the time. Oh, you'll fit right in then. Very good, uh, Rob Rossi joining us here on the Crowley Show. Now I'm very self conscious. I don't know what to do with the rest of the interview. <laughs> I'm sweating bullets. Um, I'm 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 uh, I'm enthused by this decision of mine already. Yeah. But no, I'm very excited to have you aboard. As you know, I've been a big fan of yours for a while. I like I like your show. I like your view of. Uh, sort of the unreality of sports. So um, I think this will be exciting. Look, they were just giving away columns to everybody in town, and since I had one, I figured you, you were kind of next in line. But, um, you know, like I said, you could work for the other guys, but they don't have me. So That's the selling point, because you're, <laughs> you're the guy who will hire me despite the haphazard commas. Yes, right. Just don't ever use two exclamation points, because I try to tell people, I don't like exclamation points, and I definitely don't like two exclamation points. And so the the thing you need to remember is when President Kennedy was shot, on the headlines the next day there was two exclamation points used, and that's the bar. Whoa. Unless it's the equivalent of the president being assassinated, 
it doesn't require multiple exclamation points. <laughs> well, I am an exclamation point guy uh, in email. That doesn't matter, though, right? No, not at all. Okay. And don't worry. I, I've, made, I've made worse writers than you look good. Many of them have their own businesses. Uh, I do wonder, did you, did you actually do some scouting after I left? Is that, that really happened? Are you, are you calling me a liar? Uh, well, I, I was just hoping you hadn't read anything. <laughs> that was it. Uh, Rob, you voted, anyway. you voted for the uh, NHL awards. Uh, yes. Who did you vote for the Hart Trophy recipient? Uh, I believe uh, Taylor Hall was my number one. I did not vote for Connor McDavid. He was not on my ballot. I had Evgeny Malkin, I believe. Um, I'm sorry. I had uh, Taylor Hall first and uh, Anze Kopitar second and Evgeny Malkin third. And uh, I think I had Nate McKinnon fourth. And uh, I want to say I had Alex Ovechkin fifth. I'd have to go back and see if I did give Alex my fifth vote, but uh, it's based on the regular season. I know all of our votes were public. I think there's a place you can go find them. Um, it was a difficult vote. I remember talking to you about this. I think I had like seven ballots before I chose yeah. one, and I could have made a, a candidate, a candidate uh, as the top vote-getter for a lot of people. Um, to me, the Jersey Devils made the playoffs because of Taylor Hall. Um you know, and I thought Anze Kopitar had, I thought he was the best two-way player in hockey this year, and I, I thought the Kings don't make the playoffs without him. I don't think the Penguins make the playoffs without Evgeny Malkin going off for, um, what, that two-month stretch. I think we'll, I think we'll look back on that and, and maybe take it for granted of just how close they were to missing the postseason and just how dominant their best players needed to be this year. Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel. Uh, in terms of point producers, for them to really get in. And I think that, honestly, I think that, Adam, I think that really foreshadows the next week in the Penguins' history because, you know, Jim Rutherford does not have as much room for error as I think a lot of people think. Uh, this team was very close to beating the eventual Stanley Cup champions this year. They were also close to missing the playoffs because of their depth issues. And, you know, it, they were pretty fortunate in terms of injuries with those three players. Uh, you know, those players, for the most part, were able to play in, you know, 95% of the games. Um, <laughs> you know, that's something I don't think you can keep counting on as they continue to age into their 30s. Uh, I think Jim Rutherford's got some real interesting decisions to make, not only regarding Kessel and Latang and would he move either one of them, but I don't think if they would move one of those players, you're necessarily looking at a trade that gets you back something significant in return as much as it might get you back some cap relief and allow you to restock a system where most of the good players are up here already. Yeah, I understand that. I do think that the point that you made previously, though, about how good the Penguins' big three needed to be for them to make the playoffs this year and how healthy they needed to be to make the playoffs this year is a good one. I kind of touched on it in the first segment, Rob. That's why I'd lean towards not trading Phil Kessel. I th I think if you move Phil Kessel, you're in you're in danger of not having a great power play, uh, which is something yeah. that they would not have made the playoffs if they didn't have a good power play last year. The best power play in franchise history, in fact, and a lot of that ran through Phil Kessel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I I would be one to take Kessel and Chris Letang and say I'd be one to bring both of them back if I were Jim Rutherford and say, look. Um, 
three years ago, we won the Stanley Cup with this group. Two years ago, we won the Stanley Cup with this group. Latang was injured. You know, if we assume that Chris is going to come back after having a full off season of, you know, building back his body, uh, no, no, no rust, so to speak. Look, you know what you're going to get from Kessel. <laughs> I mean, you know, he may not get along with Mike Sullivan, but I mean, I don't care about that. Um, I don't think Kessel dogs it on the ice. He's a point producer. He's a goal scorer. He's a guy that can play with a multitude of different types of players. Um, to me, you're closer to winning the Stanley Cup with those four than you are without. But I think the question you have to ask yourself if your management here is, do you take one more big swing at this with this group, or do you try to tinker a little bit now, look at this year as what can we get out of it and maybe build for, you know, two or three more cracks after that. You may only have I think it's the I think it's the idea of what's your window? Is it this year? We really can win it this year. Or is it we can win it this year, but we want to try to make sure that for the last three years of the Crosby Malkin era that we know are contractually guaranteed we have a real shot. And let's not forget we have a looming labor situation coming up here. And you know that'll be here quicker than we think. For the, I believe the 20, uh, 20, 20, 21 season. So, Adam, you have to keep that in mind, too. Like, will that get in the way as well? So I just don't know right now, if you're Jim Rutherford, how you make a convincing argument to move one of those players for talent that might not help right away. And that's the only type of talent I think you're going to get in return. This is an easier question than answered after the next couple of weeks here, after the first week of free agency and after the draft starts tomorrow night. But do you think, if you're a betting man, that the Penguins will win one more championship in the Crosby-Malkin era? Yes. I said going into this season, if they were three-peated, that was it. I, I kind of thought that would just exhaust them in a way that they couldn't maneuver the roster. I think, I think there is a possibility for a couple of more. I'm not saying they will. But I think there's still a possibility that by the end of the Crosby-Malkin era, there could be, you know, five championships on their resume. Partly because, look, Sid signed really long-term. Evgeny signed through, you know, for this season and then three-plus more. At no point are you – those two are going to retire as Penguins. Mario Lemieux is not going to go through the Yager situation again with Evgeny Malkin. He never wants to repeat that. Sidney Crosby is going to be here. Um, you know, forever. Um, I could see a situation where even after that, Evgeny signs a, a sort of a, a short-term deal to play into this franchise into his late 30s, and they'll still be really good players, but, but it will be a different team by then. Um, the Penguins have to think about this right now. Are they in a position with where they're at in terms of their, their, their system, right? You know, we've seen the rust and those elk come up. Who is that next wave? Is there a wave or is it just a couple of players? The the Shiro era ended um, because they hadn't won the championship enough, and probably deservedly so, but when we look back, that system had a lot of players really close to breaking through. Rutherford's challenge, and and look, I, I have no reason to doubt him on this, is to make sure that 
he gets that system to have more than one or two guys because what the Penguins can't afford to be in is where they're counting on one prospect to hit, and that's the only option they have. Right. I mean, if you look at it right now, they're hoping on Zach Aston Reese and Daniel Sprong, and they're hoping those guys can right. come in and, and do what we saw the Sherrys and the Rust in a different capacity almost, but what they did uh, the last couple of years. For me, if this quote-unquote, and I hate this phrase, but I'm going to say it anyway, anyway for lack of a better phrase, this window, if they want to keep winning even as Crosby and Malkin's powers start to diminish, I think Matt Murray's going to have to be the guy yeah. that they wanted him to be those first two years. If he can be the star, if he can be a Vezina-caliber-type goalie, well then, yeah, I think they can get it done. If not, then I think it is going to be a challenge, apart from maybe this next year. I think... Even if it's this next year, there's a strong likelihood that Matt Murray will have to be the Penguins' best player in the playoffs for them to win the Stanley Cup. Because as you've seen, like, can we realistically expect better from Sidney Crosby than he had oh this God. season? I mean, can I mean Evgeny Malkin was injured, but I mean, look, can we expect better of Evgeny Malkin? Yes, but even if you had better of Evgeny Malkin, even if you had the Malkin of two years ago where he was the leading scorer in the playoffs and really the Penguins' most consistent producer of points game in and game out. Even you had the Malkin of three years ago where he was basically playing with one functioning arm and was still putting up points. Even if you had that, would it be enough? No. If you had that and you had Matt Murray playing at the level that Matt Murray played at two previous years, I'm not putting this all on him, by the way. They were, they were a train wreck defensively. But... If they're a little bit better defensively, and Matt Murray's more like the Matt Murray, I think he will be. This was an incredibly difficult year for him in a lot of levels. I think Matt Murray has a real chance next year to be a finalist for the Vesna, because I think he's going to come back with a real determination to shut everybody up. But, yeah, he's going to have to be their best player. The future of Pittsburgh Penguin hockey at its highest level is Matt Murray more than it is Sidney Crosby and getting Malkin because we know what they can do. I still don't think we know what Matt can do because I still think there's a couple of levels he can reach that are better than what we've seen, and what we've seen is already pretty good. Rob, last couple of things here for you. You talked about before on the show uh, Evgeny Malkin in the handshake line with Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> The Penguins not winning the Cup, I think, is obviously a big motivation. I think that there was some hunger lacking this year, and not maybe outwardly they were thinking about this, but I think in the back of their mind, it's October. It doesn't seem to matter anywhere near as much as uh, being the Stanley Cup champions. Uh, you kind of do think that eventually your game can just rise to the occasion because you've done it for the last couple of years. So the question is, do you think that the Penguins can get that quote-unquote hunger back just by watching the Capitals hoist the cup, or do you think that they need to get a little bit of new blood in there uh, to help facilitate that? I'm always a fan of new blood um, because I think we've just seen evidence of it over the years with, with this group of how much better they are when they have some different dynamics. Let's not forget, they didn't win again until they brought a guy like Kessel in. And, and did he add an on-ice element? Yes. But, you know, what he brought to that room in terms of getting everybody to sort of not treat everything like life or death, I think, was significant. I think the danger, look, I think one of the big mistakes of the Shearer era was they kept doing these small-time, small deals with guys for one or two years, 
And, you know, it ended up really putting them up against the cap. I think the Penguins have to make hard decisions on guys like Brian Rust. Uh, do you move a guy like a Connor Sherry? Um, I think those are the type of decisions you have to make. Maybe, maybe even a guy like a Justin Schultz. Like, do you, do you, is there value in him for what you can get back? Because to me, and I'm not thinking about any of those players, but to me, what was evident this year was it was never the veterans that were the problem. It was, I don't think the guys that had been here for the previous two cup runs who had sort of joined up for that, Adam, I think they're the ones that we saw their game wasn't consistent. And maybe they got a little too comfortable. And I think that's who Mike Sullivan's going to have to crack the whip on. I mean, let's face it. Um, Sidney Crosby and Vinnie Malkin, and even Chris Letang and Phil Kessel have earned the right to show up whenever they want to and start playing like the big boys that they are. Those other guys, they have a long way to go. And that, and that even includes a Jake Densel, by the way. Fantastic in the playoffs, but, but had an up-and-down season. He just needs a Rob Rossi mentor-like figure in his life to help him with the rough-around-the-edges parts. What do you say? Maybe they need me back stirring the pot a little. Maybe that's what they lacked. You know, I went easy on them this year. Maybe I need to just go in there and light a few fireworks. Well, maybe we'll both do it. How about that? <laughs> well, that will, be, that will win you no influence with friends, but I'm up for it. I don't need friends. I've got you. I've got Tom. I've got Brian. We're good. Uh, no, you've got me. Well, that's true. Tom and Brian, they can't be counted on. Uh, appreciate the time as always, man. Look forward to it, employee. Yeah, me too. It's weird to hear that. Yeah, just following up on Jameis Winston, he had been accused of rape before as well. So I'm inclined to believe where there's smoke, there's fire. And if the NFL does want to punish this kind of behavior... Well, you kind of have to now after the whole Ray Rice incident, but the more people that come out, I mean, you have to be willing to believe them. And even the first person who comes out, I'm always willing to believe uh, the woman as opposed to uh, the person that is accused. It's just the way that my mind works. Uh, But that all being said, Jameis Winston, not going to be there for the first three games, and he probably got off a little bit light upon further review. Coming up next, it's the hottest take of the day. Other crap and the three stars of the show. And then I'm gone, bitches! Or I'm going to the beaches! Kylie Show. How the hell did we go the entire show without talking about the NBA draft? Oh, man. That really missing out. West Virginia's Javon Carter, I hope, gonna go somewhere between 31 and 35. Fingers crossed. Let's go, JC! Whatever team he goes to, I'm going to be a huge fan of next year. And then he'll move around to 12 different teams over the course of a nine-year NBA career. And that's exactly what's going to happen with him. But I think he'll stick. I think he's that good. He's a great defender. I'm going to be off for 12 days starting tomorrow. Well, six work days. So that's terrible math. Like 10 days. It doesn't matter. Regardless, I'm not going to be around. And Tom and I were fiddling with audio in his studio just before we came back from the break. And this is one of the worst moments in our show's history and also simultaneously one of the funniest moments in our show's history. And I have no reason to play it, but I'm going to anyhow because I'm not going to get a chance to hear the audio again for another 10, 11, 12 days. So this is Brian Metzer joining us on the Crowley Show. And, well, he had to join us after his uncle died. And Brian and I, well, we misinterpreted his signs here give him a shout out uncle mike Fernesti. we love you and uh we just had to bury him today so i wanted to mention that we just start clapping 
Yeah, we had to bury him today. And here we go. Play one more time, Tom. Give him a shout out. Uncle Mike Pernesti, we love you, and uh, we just had to, to bury him today, so I wanted to mention that. It's a really tough setup, That's though. That's cringeworthy. That's a really tough setup for Metzer, though. We love you, and we just had to uh, bury him today. Uncle Mike Fernesti, we love you, and we just had to uh, bury him today. Ouch. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. The Penguins open up their season on October 4th. The Capitals open up their season on October 3rd. The Penguins open up with the Capitals at PPG Paints Arena. The Capitals open up with Boston. And why the hell was this so hard? Why couldn't you just start the Penguins season off in Washington? Uh, I don't want the Penguins to have to watch the banner be raised. I don't really want to watch it with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and others on the ice. But I think the league would have benefited greatly from having that be the matchup. Then you can have Boston and the Capitals the next night. Just flip-flop it. The NHL gets so many little things wrong that they should get right. The NFL always makes sure to get it right. Who's going to be starting the season off with that game on Thursday night? They always seem to have a sexy, intriguing matchup that everyone wants to watch. And the NHL, well, yes, that is a good matchup between Boston and the Capitals. There's no vitriol there. There's no hatred There's a hell of a lot of hatred between the Penguins and the Washington Capitals now more than ever. Other crap. Woo! Other crap. Argentina lost to Croatia. 3-0 in the World Cup. Things are probably getting a bit messy. Woo! Other crap. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Woo! Other crap. It's been 501 days since Pitt basketball won a conference game. It's time for the three stars of the show. Tonight's third star of the show, Tim Benz. Uh, I may or may not have tried that. Oh, uh, did you did you lose to Muller? Is that why you're you're bitter about it? No, no, not at 12:50. Although I probably would have lost to him at that point. No, I tried. I tried the second time around. I had worked here for like three weeks as as an intern, and I was like, yeah, let me give it a shot. And they weren't feeling it. And um, here you are, three years later, punting on your own radio show. So there you have it. Tonight's second star of the show, exclamation points. Just don't ever use two exclamation points, because I try to tell people, I don't like exclamation points, and I definitely don't like two exclamation points. And so the, the thing you need to remember is when President Kennedy was shot, on the headlines the next day, there was two exclamation points used, and that's the bar. Unless it's the equivalent of the president being assassinated, it doesn't require multiple exclamation points. <laughs> And tonight's first star of the show, Jerry Springer. If it is on the TV, I'm, I don't think I'm changing the channel. It's impossible to. I mean, what you just described, what was it? There's two people making out a, a fat and a redheaded ginger? Yep. A redheaded ginger. Yeah, I was a little redundant there. Uh, I was also a little redundant saying a large person on Jerry Springer. I mean... Who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who let the dogs out? I'm done, baby! Brian 
Ryan's back next week, although I don't think he's going to hang around the show. No chance. Tomorrow, we got Rob Rossi, Tim Benz from Monday through Wednesday. I'll be on social media doing social media things. My buddy Wes Euler on Thursday and Friday. Looking forward to him getting that opportunity. Shows are still going to be fun. I'll still have cheese teases, but I am going to be drunk for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven days straight. Starting tomorrow. The Jerry Dulac Golf Show is coming up next. I don't know what to do now. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know where to go. I'll go to Baltimore first.